This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. There is still plenty of time to talk about the two teams whose seasons are still alive in the NFL. Chiefs and Eagles will play for Super Bowl 57 next week. But for 30 other teams, it is their offseason. That has already started. And we're going to be talking about 13 of those teams right now on Canty and Carlin. ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speaker, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm neither Canty nor Carlin. I'm Gabe Neitzel from ESPN Milwaukee. With me is uh, Randy Scott from SportsCenter AM. So make sure you're checking out him over on ESPN Television. Television. Today on ESPN.com, Bill Barnwell has an article about 13 quarterback needy teams. 13. That seems like a lot, but I think that's probably about the, the number that we go into just about every offseason with. <laughs> so the teams, Randy, just quickly are the 49ers, Buccaneers, Colts, Commanders, Falcons, Giants, Jets, Panthers, Raiders, Saints, Seahawks, Texans, and Titans. And he goes through and has recommendations about maybe who they should pursue if it's a Aaron Rodgers, if he becomes available, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, or you know, some of these teams are in position to draft a quarterback coming up in this spring's draft. But when you take a look at those 13 teams, if you had to say... If I'm a free agent, if I'm somebody who's looking for a trade as a QB, which one of those 13 teams do you think is in the best spot to potentially compete right away if they get that right QB? Oh, boy. Um, okay, so you look at, I mean, it's the, I think it's the Niners. Uh, I think yeah. defensively. Now, there are there are free agent and salary cap concerns. You know, they're going to lose McGlinchey on the offensive line, it sounds like. Uh, it sounds like they're also going to lose... Uh, Jimmy Ward as well, um, you know, 31, one of the best, you know, defensive secondary pieces in the National Football League. He's probably going to command more than they they can afford to pay. And the quarterback position is such a big first sort of domino to fall. You know, it really is, uh, both with regard to your team structure, but also, you know, financially and, and, and with the salary cap. So that's that's tough to say who they're actually going to lose, but the pieces are there. They're going to pay both, so they still have them under contract. Um so I feel like the Niners are that answer in the NFC. In the AFC, it's a fun man. You know, it's a fun one. Um, I think it's the Jets, and I can't believe I'm picking that over a team in the Titans that was the one seed last year in the AFC. But I feel like the miles on Derrick Henry are starting to show. I feel like defensively they were a little generous this season. Um, the Colts have some pieces, but they need they need wide receiver help as well. And yeah. Jonathan Taylor's injury was a, was a nagging one this last year. So I really do think it's the Jets in the AFC, and I think it's uh, I think it's the Niners in the NFC. See, so I'm with you on the Jets. So Bill Barnwell, his top five. 49ers won. I think that makes the most sense. They made it to an NFC Championship game. They made it to the NFC Championship game the year before that. In 2019, they made it all the way to a Super Bowl. It seems like the quarterback is the one missing piece for them trying to figure out what they do at that position to get them over the hump and win a championship. But then he has your Las Vegas Raiders at number two, followed by the Falcons at three, Seahawks four, Buccaneers five. And the Raiders and Seahawks being two and three is just absolutely fascinating to me. And I understand the Raiders have a lot of weapons. And they made it to the playoffs just a season ago. But it seems like they're a little bit further away based on the Jets were knocking on the door. The AFC is such a tough conference. And the AFC East this year was such a tough division with the Dolphins, with the Bills, that 
the last game of the year that the Jets played a must-win game, they had to start Joe Flacco. <laughs> had to start Joe Flacco in a must-win game at the end of the year. So it seems like they have, uh, with that defense and the way it can play, the way that Mike White was able to put up stats and throw for over 300 yards in some games where he was the starting quarterback for the Jets. Like The fact that the Jets are seven on this list is a little shocking to me. And the Raiders are all the way up at number two just because that division seems to be, you have the King and the Chiefs, Mm -hmm. but it seems like the Chargers are slowly putting it together and starting to build momentum in the right direction. I would change rosters with the Chargers in a heartbeat. And honestly, I'd probably change rosters with the Broncos as well. Like, Kansas City has the quarterback, Kansas City has the coaching staff. I don't even know that Kansas City has the best roster in the division. If we're being honest, I feel like the more the more talent is in is in the Chargers locker room. I I don't see how the Raiders are are number two on this list either, and that's from somebody who watches an inordinate amount of Raiders football. Um, I have I just I don't believe in Josh McDaniels. I just don't. I, I don't I don't see how you take a quarterback in his ninth NFL season in Derek Carr and look at his aversion. Like if you were to if you were to pick. A nit with Derek Carr was that he didn't test the boundaries enough. He didn't push the ball downfield. He was so turnover-averse that he would not take risks when you hoped your quarterback would. And then suddenly he's a turnover machine? Is that Derek Carr or is that the offense? Is that the offense that's been criticized as being outlandishly and unnecessarily difficult? And from the same offensive mind that all due respect... And yes, he did win a playoff game, but thought that Tim Tebow was a first-round NFL quarterback. Like, McDaniels, I don't see how you look at the Raiders and say McDaniels isn't the problem, and Derek Carr is. But if you're trying to get out from under a quarterback that, or a contract, rather, that maybe was a little steep for Derek Carr, and and, and your offensive genius, and I say that with all the sarcasm in the world, <laughs> offensive genius uh, head coach is convincing you he can win with Jared Stidham or someone of a comparable accomplishment. Like, okay, I guess you're going to listen to that, but... No, I don't see how the Raiders are second on this list at all. Yeah, it, it just and the Falcons being three is another one that's fascinating. And I think the Falcons have they're an interesting team because they won some games early with Marcus Mariota at quarterback and and the luster kind of wore off of them. But I think you kind of saw what Arthur Smith could potentially do with this team if they continue to build it up and continue to find offensive weapons and they have some cap space. But I still don't see that if, if I'm Aaron Rodgers. And I can pick any team I want to go to. I don't... The, the the Falcons, even if the Packers were willing to trade you within the conference, like I feel the Packers would be willing to trade him to the Atlanta Falcons because eh, the Falcons, even with Rodgers, we don't have to worry about them. And Rodgers wouldn't want to go there because I don't think the Falcons are just a quarterback away from being a, a better team. Like You could talk me more into the Seahawks, even though Geno Smith had a, such a great year, but the Seahawks, with what they have at wide receiver and some of the pieces they have defensively, being in a better spot on this list and, and if if I'm a free agent or somebody who's looking to be traded, then the Falcons are. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I would agree. I would agree with that. I think, I think also looking at this list, man, I, I, I see, I see teams that are going to be on this list again next year, you know, and oh, I, and yeah. probably, probably the year after it. I, I, I don't see long term solutions, and and not just from the crop of quarterbacks that are available, but from the the lack of just institutional consistency, as well as the roster just isn't there. And I feel like the Jets have those pieces. I think you and I are in agreement that once Brees Hall is healthy, he was a difference maker at running back. That the def- that the defense, Quinn and Williams and company, that is 
a playoff caliber defense. And that is really what, what drove the frustration there from Robert Sala and company this season. Yeah, Garrett Wilson, I think, is yeah. going to be a stud-wide receiver, a young receiver that if you're Derek Carr or Jimmy Garoppolo that you can play with and go to the postseason with. But if I'm one of these, if I'm one of these quarterbacks, if I'm a Garoppolo, if I'm Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, or who knows what happens with a guy like Geno Smith out in Seattle, I think I'm trying to find my way to an NFC team. Because the AFC, yes. man, it's, you have Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and Patrick Mahomes already at the top of that division. My guess is that Lamar Jackson sticks around in that not division, in that conference, in the AFC. Right now, the NFC just seems ripe for the picking, and your road to getting to a Super Bowl seems much easier in the NFC. A hundred, Yes, 100%. And that I would take that into consideration when taking a head coaching job. I mean, we've, we, that's, that's what surprised me about Sean Payton's willingness to, to take on the challenge in Denver. Obviously, he thinks he can win with, with Russell Wilson, but, and maybe it was just the fact that, that the Broncos could pay Payton what he's, what he's asking for. But right away, right away, you are competing with two of the best quarterbacks, not just in your division, but two of the best quarterbacks in football, and they're in your division, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. You can check that out for yourself. ESPN.com is where Bill Barnwell's 13 QB needy teams based on their appeal exists as we debate that list. Here are Canty and Colin, which is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. Call or click today to find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. One team that isn't quarterback needy, the Dallas Cowboys, they've locked in to Dak Prescott, and Dak was a lightning rod for talking criticism throughout the course of the year. Cowboys won some games without him early. Granted, they won those games with Cooper Rush. They were kind of ugly. They weren't putting up a ton of points. Dak put up some great numbers this year, but the turnovers were an issue, certainly. And the question now becomes for the Cowboys, what's their roster like? Is Dak Prescott good enough to get you back to that Super Bowl that has evaded them since 1995. Heck, an NFC Championship game appearance, which has evaded them since that 1995 uh, season. Jerry and Steven Jones both say they are committed to Dak Prescott. Here is Cowboys owner Jerry Jones, firm in his belief in his quarterback. I'm still very strong. Not still. I'm very strong on Dak. This whole thing reflects the upside that I feel in Dak. The fact that we're doing this, Mike's calling the plays, this has everything to do with the positiveness around Dak. It's building around Dak. Which is interesting to me. He snuck something in there. Randy, that I found interesting of Mike now calling the plays. Because Mike McCarthy is going to be the play caller as Kellen Moore, who seemed to be the darling just two years ago when McCarthy was hired in Dallas. You have to keep Kellen Moore. You have to keep him calling the plays. This is our guy. He's going to be the innovative guy. And now he ends up being the scapegoat, which makes me wonder how much longer is it going to be before Dak becomes Jerry Jones's new scapegoat? It. I think you look at the quarter. I think Jones has been around it long enough to look at the quarterback scarcity, to look at mediocrity at the quarterback position as almost being desirable relative to being on the carousel that we just went through in Bill Barnwell's article. Like I, I think there there is something to be said for consistency just north of mediocrity, and there have been times where Dak Prescott has lived in that zone. But you look at also how wildly the swings can happen in the playoffs. I mean his his game against the Buccaneers. 
like go back to 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 January sixteenth, the Monday nighter and Super Wild Card weekend, and he completes twenty five passes. He has three hundred plus yards. He has four touchdowns. I think he ran. He ran for another. Yeah, he ran for another. He had a yeah. five touchdown game, and suddenly it was okay. If the if the Cowboys can get this Dak, they could win a Super Bowl. And that, and now. Cowboy fans were largely having that conversation amongst themselves, but goodness knows we had that conversation as well on a variety of platforms at ESPN. And the inconsistency to then the next week barely get over 200 yards, have nothing to show for the ground, turn the football over twice. Like, it's the inconsistency that drives you nuts. So I think if you're Jones and you look at the ceiling and say, okay, he's capable of doing this in the playoffs, he got us a playoff win. And then you have to go out to San Francisco, play against that defense. There's no shame in losing that defense or even having a bad game it's, you know, against that defense. And you're still within seven points. So I, I don't know that, that Dak is quite in scapegoat territory yet. And I think it, you know, it's it, unrealistic, especially with that position and that team and that fan base, to say, hey, can we be a little patient and understand you know, not, not overreact to a, a, a bad game. But when you have a bad game on a big stage like that, it's... It's only natural. Yeah, they feel like they've been probably patient enough because, again, they haven't been to an NFC championship game. They didn't win the Super Bowl that season as well since 1995 when they beat Brett Favre and the Packers. Like, that's how long it's been for the Cowboys since they've even sniffed an opportunity at a championship. And my guess is... How much more patient do they want to be with Dak? He was a rookie back in 2014. It's not like he's still this young quarterback who's still coming into his own. Now, granted, he should be entering his prime. But the thing that is, and you hit it, I think, right on the head, Randy, the thing that becomes appealing with Dak is that ceiling. Because that ceiling can be so good. Mm-hmm. But I, I, the game that I think just defines this type of season that Dak had was the, the, the matchup they had late in the year with Philadelphia. And I know Jalen Hurts didn't play in the game. Garner Minshew did, and it was the one game that he played really well. The Cowboys ended up winning, and Dak had a heck of a game. Except for when Dak inexplicably threw a pick six right to, like he's rolling out left, tries yes. to get the ball in the flat, and, and just inexplicably throws it right where the defensive lineman can grab it and run past him for, for a touchdown. You're going, wait. He can be this good, but still make that type of a decision where yeah. it was just clear as day right in front of him. And that's the thing that scares you. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, can you rely on Dak Prescott to be able to keep it together over the course of three games, which is what you pretty much have to do with only one team getting a bye in the playoffs in both conferences? Can you keep it together for three games in order to make it to a Super Bowl? And that's the gamble that Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, and Mike McCarthy are taking with Dak Prescott. That's, that is the... That is the only way the season is defined as a success. Like there, there are no more, you know. Hey, deep playoff run. We're all, we're, we're all set. Or hey, we're hanging a banner for a division title. You know, and they, and they may do that, but that's that's not a successful season anymore. And I don't know that Dak has the pieces around. At least on the defensive end, like Dak, the Cowboys are going to have to win games by by outscoring their opponent. I don't mean that in, in an obvious way, but you know what I mean? Like they're going to have to outscore teams yeah. and not hold them in check defensively because they don't they don't have that Micah Parsons notwithstanding. Yeah, I mean, Micah Parsons is really good, but and, and he can certainly wreck an offensive game plan single-handedly and has done that. But the Cowboys defense is nothing like that 49er defense or even the Eagle defense that we see in the Super Bowl where that 49er defense has just difference-making players at every single level where they've got guys making plays all over the place. And the Cowboys defense doesn't have that because they've 
they're at a point where, unlike the 49ers, who have Trey Lance on a rookie contract and a seventh-round pick playing quarterback, they've had to pay Dak. So when you pay your quarterback, ask any other team that's had to do that. The Kansas City Chiefs, where you don't have that type of money to invest in your defense, you have to outscore because you've decided to pay your quarterback. That's when it becomes tough. That's when it becomes hard. And that's when it becomes, all right, Dak, you're the one who has to do this. And Jerry also said they'd like to draft a quarterback. When he says that, I don't think that means, oh, we're going to draft a quarterback with our first pick. I think that means, oh, if we can find somebody in the third or fourth round, the way that, you know, Jalen Hurts kind of slid into the second round a few seasons ago, Mm -hmm. that, okay, we'll take this guy, see if we can develop somebody behind Dak Prescott and maybe give us some options when Dak's contract comes up. Oh, man, yeah, uh, I just I, they're going to have to address the offensive line. They're going because whoever it is is going to have to be kept upright. And Dak's injury, you know, injury issues uh, it stands a reason are going to resurface down the road as he gets older. Uh, do you want to continue to pay him whatever the market rate is once that contract is up, or once Dallas can get out from under that contract? It, it's a, it's a tough assessment to make if he can't you know stay on his on his feet if if the offensive line is a sieve the, or or at least um, unproductive in the ground game the way they were for the second half of the season there were some flashes from Tony Pollard I mean the Vikings game kind of jumps out but but otherwise it really was on Dak to produce uh, and and to and to put his team in a position to win because the ground game was non-existent non-existent especially in that in that postseason loss uh, to the Niners. Jerry Jones is going to continuously be searching for answers as they try to make a deep playoff run, something that just hasn't happened now in 25-plus years for the Dallas Cowboys. Coming up next here on Canty and Carlin, earlier in the show we gave our GOAT power rankings with Tom Brady retiring. I believe he's the undisputed GOAT in the NFL, especially since the year 2000. But who are some of the other ones? Randy and I have a list, and we'll take some calls from you as well at 888-729-3776. That's coming up next on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. This is what I was born to do. I've given my body my everything, every bit of energy. There's no shortcuts. I don't need exterior motivation. The ones that I have inside of me are enough. The clock's ticking on all of us. If you're going to compete against me, you better be willing to give up your life. I'm giving up mine. Tom Brady is officially retired. (laughs) At least that's what he says. 
And we're supposed to believe him this time. I actually do believe him this time. Just give him a hard time about the early retirement about a year ago. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM and Channel 80, and on your smart speaker, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Gabe Nitesum, along with Randy Scott, filling in for Canty and Carlin today. And with that retirement of Tom Brady yesterday, and I liked how he was self-deprecating in the about 50-second video post he put out on social media about, well, I had the one tearful, long-winded goodbye last year. You're only afforded one of those, so this is just kind of a quick goodbye uh, as he stepped away from the NFL this year. But it got us thinking, Randy, about uh, some of the other GOATs within their sports, but in the time frame that Tom Brady has played. So basically since the year 2000, who are some of the other sport goats? We have a list of five each, and we did it earlier in the show, so we can just kind of quickly run through them. And then we want to hear from you. 888-729-3776. 888-SAY-ESPN if you want to join this conversation. So the five that I had, Randy, I had LeBron James at five, Barry Bonds at four, Tom Brady at three, Serena Williams in her 23 Grand Slam titles at two, and Tiger Woods at number one. Who did you have on your list? All right, I'm trying to remember here. Uh, number five was Alex Ovechkin. Uh, his entirety of his career, uh, post-2000, chasing down Wayne Gretzky, winning the Stanley Cup in 2018. Uh, number four was Albert Pujols, uh, just because his career was entirely post-2000. I, I see your point about, about Barry Bonds, for sure. Um, number three was LeBron. Number two was Tom Brady. And number one was Tiger Woods. Yeah, so we want to hear from you. And, and look, to me, even though Tiger kind of had the ups and downs, he was just so utterly dominant, winning the Tiger Slam, winning all the majors that he did. He was somebody, along with Tom Brady, that wrecked the curve for everybody else. When, when there's a young player on the PGA Tour right now, like Rory McIlroy, Rory McIlroy has been stuck on four majors, which is a lot of majors when you take a look at the entirety of the history of golf. It's a lot of majors. And yet everyone's going, man, what's wrong with Rory? He's only stuck. He's only got four. What's going on here? Same thing with Tom Brady. He completely ruined the curve for every <laughs> other quarterback. Like when you used to, it used to be when you got to two, that really separate. And I think it still does to an extent where it really separates you from the guys who have just one Super Bowl. And it just really puts you on this upper echelon. But now you get to two and you're like, man, that dude won seven. How do I potentially catch that? He went to 10 Super Bowls. It, it, he ruined the curve for everybody else. Uh, and to do it at the most important, in my opinion, the most important position in sports. Um, I, you know, we had a call about Jimmy Johnson and how Jimmy Johnson, the uh, NASCAR driver, the automotive driver, was not, was not on that list. And part of it, too, is, is to do it in the fishbowl and under the microscope that only got brighter and stronger um, as Tom Brady went on. And that was my argument against Jimmy Johnson. I'll be honest, I didn't even didn't even consider him because of it was really the state of popularity of, of NASCAR through Johnson's career. Um, it, it, it waned. It, it decreased during his career. The same could not be said about football. I mean, if, if anything, the, the focus and popularity and uh, just 24-hour media cycle about football and about the NFL increased while Brady ascended. And I think the two are uh, somewhat linked. I'm not saying Tom Brady helped football get more popular, but I, he didn't hurt. He didn't hurt that at all. And he continued to answer the bell for that long. So trust me, I, I get no joy out of putting Tom Brady high on that list. <laughs> um, and I think if Tom Brady had 
been responsible for the popularity of a sport the way Tiger was for golf in the 90s and into the 2000s. And to this day, to be honest, I, I, I would have put him higher. But Tiger's really the only one on that list who could say that. We take some of your calls right now at 888-729-3776. We begin with Wade in Pittsburgh. Wade, you're on ESPN Radio. Yeah, guys, you're missing the boat on one. It's Lionel Messi, um, uh-huh. World Cup winner, gold medal winner, and there's people across the world who probably don't know Tom Brady or Tiger Woods, but everybody knows Lionel Messi. And I think you're missing the boat on that one. I think he needs to be number one. I mean, he's won more stuff across soccer than anybody and is worldwide. Uh, yeah, no, I'll hear certainly that. appreciate it. Yeah, I'll hear that. I mean, I, I think Tiger was so big in golf, I think, is such, is more of an international game than football is, where, where I think Tiger may have translated maybe not as much as Messi, but... Um, I mean, there's a great point to be made there about the worldwide aspect of what he has done in his career. I'm guilty of that. I'll say that I am. I'm, I'm guilty of being myopic and and sort of focusing on on the four majors. You know, four major sports here. I I I'll push back a little bit. I think Tiger Woods does have have global um, brand recognition. We'll say uh, for his <laughs> for his association and his time and really his his uh, sponsorship career with Nike. But there is no arguing the absolute apex of soccer stardom with regard to global appeal. I mean, Messi is on a very I mean, Messi is on a very short list, iconically all time with Ronaldo, Beckham, Pele, Maradona. I mean, it is it's a short list. So yeah, very, very short list. Triple eight seven two nine three seven seven six. Let's go out to Travis in Dallas. Travis, you're on ESPN radio. Yes. I was thinking about the greatest closer of the 2000s, Mariano Rivera. All right. So I I certainly appreciate this is where I think we've disagreed a little bit, Randy, and trying to figure out who that goat of baseball is over the course of the past 20 years. You know, my selection only played seven years. He retired in 2007. Granted, probably had four more. The reason why I put him there is because he had just these dominant seasons. Pujols, probably the best hitter. But Mariano Rivera, he's the all-time saves leader, and I think he changed his position as well, where teams are always looking for that guy that they can rely upon. And still, even today in baseball, it's hard to replicate what he did because so many closers are so volatile and have come and gone. You think of guys like Eric Gagne, who had 83 consecutive saves, but really it was a short stretch. For Revere to be as good as he was, as long as he was at that bottle of position, certainly worth, is worth mentioning. Yeah, no, and, and in that market as well. I mean, there are there are extenuating circumstances. Like you, you have to play in high profile, massive audience games, and the Yankees did that for fifteen years. <laughs> I'm trying to, <laughs> you know, you go from '96 to the first title, then 2008 was uh, was I guess uh, Rivera's you know last last World Series appearance, but he was that dominant, that consistent. Had the entrance song, you know, one of the greatest rock songs of that era as well with Enter Sandman. Like, oh, yeah. no, I could, I could see that, but I also, I don't, I when think when you hear Enter Sandman now, you think of Mariano Rivera, I think but you just Vir- do yeah. if you're a sports fan. I think of Virginia Tech and I think of, of Rivera, but that's only because I grew up, you know, in, in Virginia. Sure. I, I don't know that there, if you're going to be on this list, there can be no debate about who the goat was on your team at the same time. And I yeah, think Derek Jeter being there. You know what I mean? It's almost like sometimes with Heisman Trophy candidates, like if you have two Pac-12 players, they're gonna they're gonna kind of vulture votes from each other. And they're not gonna win. I would see that potentially between Jeter and uh, Jeter and, and and Rivera. 
Talking about goats since 2000 and the goats in their respective sports, who are we missing? We continue to take your calls. 888-729-3776. We'll continue to take those calls and hear from you on Canty and Carlin next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. And Carlin, the podcast. People love to talk about goats. Greatest of all time. Just a fact. Sports talk radio. People always have those opinions. It's Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speaker. I'm Gabe Nigel. He is Randy Scott uh, filling in for the guys this afternoon. And with Tom Brady retiring, it got us thinking who are some of the sports goats? Who are some of the greatest of all time since the year 2000? That's the caveat. Since the year 2000, we've listed off a number of names and continue to take your calls at 888 729 3776. So we send it out to Mike in Phoenix. Mike, you're on ESPN Radio. If a player wins at every single level since the year 2000, Diana Taurasi, three NCAA championships, player of the year five Olympic gold medals and still playing, three WNBA championships, six European championships, three world championships, and 56 records internationally that will probably never be broken. And she's still playing and dominant at her position in three decades. <laughs> Mike, came, Mike came ready, man. He had yep. the stats. He had the numbers ready to fire at us, Randy. Sure did, and he's not He's not wrong. Um no, when you win at that many levels and are obviously a basketball Hall of Famer, have represented your country, you know the Olympic gold, all of it. Yeah, that's a that is a great, you know, it's if it's only a five it's only a five person list, um, but that is certainly in the discussion for sure. Triple eight seven two nine three seven seven six. Bruce in Mississippi. Bruce, you're on ESPN Radio as we discuss the best since the year two thousand in their respective sports. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for all the entertainment that ESPN Radio gives me, and I didn't hear since 2000. I wanted to say Mike Bossy, 50 goals a game, uh, 50 goals a year for nine straight years, and still leads the league in uh, goals per game with .760. Gentlemen, thank you kindly. You take care. Oh, that's nice. Um, Yeah, yeah, listen, if we open this up, we can't do a top five. I mean, we could, but we'd absolutely offend people if we did a top five all time. 
Yeah, if we did a top five all time, we could sit here. I mean, we would be going into probably KJM tomorrow morning. Like, that's how long we would have to, like, just <laughs> continuously take calls with people submitting goats of their respective sports of all time. It's going to be real hard to come to a consensus then. It was hard <laughs> enough to put together a list of five since 2000. I know. I, leaving Serena off is really going to bother me. It's really going to bother me. Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, she just I, I had her on my list just absolutely dominant since that year 2000. 888 Orlando in San Francisco. You're on ESPN Radio. Hey, I appreciate you guys taking my call. Um, I didn't um, hear anybody throw out rest in peace Kobe Bryant. Um, I don't have the stats on hand, but I know he's one of the great. And, um, that's, um, and then I would say Derek Jeter also. And then for coaches, I just wanted to throw a coach out there that shows some dominance for the women's um, basketball game, Gino Ariema. And uh, take your take your comments off there. Yeah, I think it would be tough to top Gino Ariema in terms of what coaches have accomplished since the mm-hmm. year 2000. But the Kobe-LeBron date is, uh, debate is always one that is going to rage on. Um, but with LeBron closing in on that all-time scoring record, I, that's just a, a feather in his cap that he's always going to have. I it, man, I uh, could we or should we have had two NBA players on this top five? Maybe I was. I think LeBron was such a shoe in, and maybe it's recency bias because I just saw him play at the Garden there with my son uh, up up in Boston. But Kobe hasn't beat obviously in titles. Uh, I don't know yep. that LeBron's going to catch him. All of Kobe's titles were in were since two thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, maybe in my head I was like, no, he's drafted ninety six. He's He's disqualified, but but his post two thousand career is among the best in in basketball history. So I think maybe I just looked to spread the wealth sports wise and only identified one NBA player. And if I had to pick one, it's LeBron. But but the Kobe argument is a great one. Yeah, it's certainly one that that deserves to be in the debate. Triple eight seven two nine three seven seven six goats in their respective sports since the year two thousand. Who have we forgotten? Who deserves a little more shine? Corey in Atlanta, you're on ESPN Radio. Gentlemen, how you doing tonight? Doing great. Good, good. My my choice is is better than everybody's choice. He's the only one that's undefeated, and that's Floyd Mayweather. Like he's he's got the weight class, he's championships and weight classes, changed pay per views. Again, he's undefeated, and when you talk dominance, he's barely lost rounds. Those those kind of accolades you can't really say about anybody else because nobody on the list is undefeated. Yeah, that's a great point about Floyd. My why I would not put him in my personal top five is I when I watch his fights, I'm just not as entertained by some other. He's he's not a knockout artist, right, Randy? Like he is somebody who knows how to play the game and knows the sweet science better than anybody else. But he he just does a great job of playing defense, avoids getting hit, and then he wins by decision. It is a style that, to me, like you said, I don't enjoy it, and I am also clouded by how reprehensible some of the things he's done outside the ring have been. Yeah, um, but you cannot fair. listen. You cannot argue with the zero in the loss column. Cannot argue with the belts. Cannot argue with the longevity in a sport that doesn't lend itself to that. Um, and like I said about the decline in NASCAR popularity, I feel like the decline in boxing popularity kind of clouded my decision making with it, but. Uh, but there, there is a there is a good argument to be made for him to be in this list. Yeah, we quickly get to one more as we go out to Dave in Florida. Dave, you're on ESPN Radio. 
Uh, hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. I was thinking of Michael Phelps, who's a swimmer, uh, possibly the greatest swimmer of all time, but also possibly the greatest Olympian all time. Set his first world record in 2001. Uh, 2008 won eight gold medals at the Olympics. Um, one of the nights, the guys from the NBA that were there for the Olympics came just to watch him swim. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up retiring after 2016 as, I think, 23, 24 Olympic gold medals. So I feel like he's got to be on the list somewhere. Yeah, so this is the one, and I appreciate that that submission, Dave, because this is the one, Randy, where I feel I should have thought of and I may have snuck him on into my top five somehow just because when you're an Olympian, you get one shot every four years. And granted, Phelps had so many other events that he was in within the Olympics, but you're only on that stage once every four years, and he delivered every time. Yeah. No, Phelps Phelps was I, iconic. To achieve that recognition for your sport as well, that popularity for your sport, he, he boosted that worldwide, let alone in this country. So absolutely, Phelps is on that list, or should be. Always, always, always a fun debate, Whether no matter what parameters you put on it. Goats since 2000 here today on Canty and Carlin. Coming up next on ESPN Radio, we go to the NBA with Grizzlies and Cavs. This has been Canty and Carlin. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.